Matthew chapter five, starting verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that we may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for everyone that's able to be here. Um, just help us to be able to um, hear what you're trying to say to us today about being the salt and the light of the world. And help me and Tony to say the right words and be able to reach these people today. Amen. Can you imagine? You're there, and Jesus is giving the greatest sermon of all time. You start leaning in, and then all of a sudden, he comes to this metaphor. He talks about salt and light. And you're trying to unpack, what is going on here? What are these truths and how they really apply to my life? How amazing is it that Jesus can use this beautiful metaphor out of something simple like salt and light? Today, we wanted to take a few moments to help unpack the truth of what God was doing here and apply it to our lives in a practical way. And we thought a good way would be see how that's lived out. So I've asked Tristan Brophy over here. He's our family ministry intern. And I thought he could help unpack this truth in a way that's unique to some of us. See, his story is unique in the way that he was brought up, but he still used who he was to do some great things and really influence those around him. Tristan, we wanted to thank you first off for being here and for pouring into the kids and the students at Impact, as well as pouring into the staff and sharing some of that uniqueness in a fun way in the office. We like that. Um, we've had a blast over these last few months really getting to know Tristan and hearing his story, but I wanted to have him to have an opportunity to tell it to you guys. So Tristan, tell us a little bit more about you. Like, what makes you, you? What is the background behind Tristan? Yeah, so, you know, we go back to when I was born. I was born in 2001, you know, nothing super special. And then uh, you flash, flash forward to when I was two, and I was adopted. And, you know, that, that was really, really hard for me sometimes, because growing up, I was always like, hey, mom, how am I related to this person? Or how does this person fit into, like, my life? And so growing up, that always raised a lot of questions for me. And, you know, family life was always hard for me growing up. Yeah, he, um, a couple weeks back, I said, okay, can you help me understand your family tree? And he got an eight and a half piece of paper out, you know, eight and a half by 11, and started doing it. And then he came to his spot, like, <laughs> I don't have enough room. And then we got like a quarter of the way through his tree because it's just so much going on there. But it's, it's cool because recently you've been able to reconnect with a couple folks and your, your, your biological father and your mother, so that's been a good thing yeah. for you. Um, knowing that, you know, life didn't always come easy for you, who has been an influential person in your life? Yeah, so we go to me as a freshman in high school, you know. <laughs> just a couple years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like yesterday, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I'm walking into school, and I go to one of my classes. I'm getting in there, getting settled down. And it's my math teacher. His name is Mr. Pearson. He um, walks up to the front, you know, starts giving his whole spiel about, like, this is how my class is going to run. This is how grades work. You know, bathroom pass is right there. Take it. <laughs> and so then he starts going into more, and he points over at the whiteboard. And on the whiteboard, it says, you are made in the image of God. And, you know, he's like, forget about everything else. This is the most important thing about my classroom. You will not talk bad about yourselves or anyone else in this classroom because you were all made in the image of God and you need to remember that. And that was really like the one thing that stuck out to me most about, you know, his class and my high school experience. So even years later, that's something that you still use to influence your life. How cool is that? How have you seen the salt of God's word preserved in your life? Yeah, so I look to my adoptive father. Um, he has always just been very true in how he is and how he deals with people in his life. And there's been a number of times where there's been difficult situations or difficult people arise in his life and our life. Um, and just watching him and how he deals with those difficult people, you know, not trying to um, talk bad about them or anything like that, but he just really stays true to what he believes and handles it in a very godly way. Yeah, he's always pouring into God's word to bring mm -hmm. the truth out in every situation. That's great to hear. What about the light? When you see God's light, where do you see it in your life? Yeah. So for God's light, um, I see it mostly in my adoptive mom. Um, she's always just like, you know, a super bright person and is always fun to be around and super happy. But I want to focus on a time where, where it was a little dark. Um, just a few years ago, her dad passed away. And it was me, her, and the hospice guy just sitting in the room with him. And we're all just sitting around him and we start singing, It Is Well With My Soul. And throughout that whole experience and even the months to come, you know, my mom was down sometimes, but she never let it get her down for too long. She was always there to be, she was always there for everyone else, you know, to be the light for everyone else. And that was just really like inspirational for me to see her be like that. You even got a tattoo with Yeah, I did, you. right it here on my wrist. Soul. And when you think about the story behind that song, it just even points more towards the light of God in any situation. Mm. Have there been times in your life when you thought, man, I just, I can't do it. I'm going to throw in the towel. I want to give up. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah. There's been so many times where I'm just like, God, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do this. This is not for me. Um, especially when I first got the calling to go into ministry, I was like, no, <laughs> I did not want to do it. It was not my thing, you know? And then we go back to my high school teacher. I met with him one day and I was like, listen, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. I don't wanna go into ministry, this is stupid. I don't wanna do this. And he's like, he, he basically was like, shut up. <laughs> but he told me, he was like, go to where the difficult place is. Go where you're gonna be challenged. Because I had a choice of either staying home, going to community college, or going to a new state where I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything about, you know, anything there. And so I listened to his advice and I went there and it has been a blessing ever since. 
And then, you know, a few months ago, I was looking for internships, and that same thought came back into my head. Go to the place where it's difficult. So I was looking, and, well, here I am. <laughs> In the difficult place, you know. <laughs> it's the coworkers that make it difficult. Oh isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I went to the place where I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything, and it's been a blessing. But you guys are weird. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> but it truly has been a blessing to be here and to be, you know, a part of this community. Thinking about it this way, how different would your life look if Jesus were never present? If the salt and the light of the world weren't around in your life. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, thinking back to when I was adopted, um, I was adopted by, you know, very spiritually and godly people. So, in my mind, I feel like I would have, you know, just been thrown into the system, lost somewhere, wherever, you know. I wouldn't even be here today, that's for sure. Um, and I probably would have been going down any rabbit hole that would fill that void that was not Jesus. And, you know, my life could have ended up so much differently, but I'm so glad I'm here. Yeah, we are too. And we just wanted to thank you, Tristan, for being open right now and just pouring into us a little bit about your story and telling us about how salt and light can be different for everybody, and especially you. And if you want to get to know him, go ahead, take him out, talk to him, <laughs> treat him to food. He loves food. Um, but <laughs> we just wanted to thank him. Let's give him a round of applause right now for being up here. Thank you, Tristan. How amazing is it to see God's word and God's light in somebody's life? Sometimes it's simple, like, hey, we feel like we're doing something but we don't really know until you hear a story like that. Somebody simple like a math teacher, I think it was math, English, whatever. It was a teacher, right, that had something to say from God's word. How cool was that? So why is it important for those around us to see the truth and be the light? According to research, some of the biggest questions younger generations are asking is, who am I? Who am I? See, the younger ones are the ones that are starting to develop and become the next set of kingdom workers here at Impact and around the globe. And they're struggling to figure out a way and figure out who they are. Do you know where the information teens and tweens, they get it from? It's from the biggest influence in their lives, the internet. 95% of all teens have a smartphone, right? And 50% of them say they're constantly on the internet, hardly ever taking a break. Almost 70% of teens researched and surveyed said that when they're going through a hard time, do you know where they go for support? Social media, right? Those folks on the internet that some of them don't even have a real physical connection to. Carol Powell, she's the director of Fuller Youth Institute, and she talked with people who have walked away from their faith after being active in church growing up. What she found was that 70% of those that she kind of researched and talked to and surveyed, 70% had walked away because they had significant questions about faith in high school, and they didn't have anyone 
to walk alongside them and point them towards the answers that they were needing and asking questions about. See, the future of the church is at stake if you aren't willing to step up and be the salt, be the light in this world. God chose his method of helping his word and his kingdom to grow and reach the world. It's through his disciples, through his followers, through us, that we are called to be the ones to do great things for his glory. So are we living up to our calling? If we're truly chosen to be the way to help advance God's word, then how are we measuring up to that calling? In this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus looks at a couple of ways to call us. And the first way we see is that we're called to preserve the truth. Tristan led us in the book of Matthew, and we're going to read it again at the first part. In Matthew 5.13, it says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And as some of you are aware, salt was used back in Jesus' time as a preservative. Bill talked a little bit about that in his communion meditation. It kept the meat renewed so it wouldn't spoil. Salt is used to react with what it comes in contact with, preserving it so it can last longer and make things continue to be useful, right? One year, I learned this lesson pretty hard. Uh, we went on vacation, my family and I, and we went to go visit family out of town, and we spent a week or so away, and we came back, and we did our normal routine. Some of you guys have just come back from vacation, right? You have a routine, you go through, you're lugging everything in, you're checking on stuff, turning lights back on, all that routine. And we had brought a cooler with us, um, just bringing back some fruits and vegetables and different things that we had. We bring it back to the fridge and open the fridge door, and the light's on, you know, you're happy, light's on, you're feeling good. But you reach in and start putting it in there, and it's like, wait, it's not cold. It's actually warmer in there than it is out here. And come to the realization, the thing that I had trusted to last long and preserve our food had broke. You see, when we were away, there were some storms that came through. We figured power surge probably happened, broke our refrigerator. That thing that we needed was gone. And it wasn't fun to come home to. We had to basically throw away all of our groceries. Nothing could be saved, at least the groceries in the fridge, right? The one thing we counted on was gone, and it hurt us big time. We took it for granted, and something that seemed so simple and easy to use is broken and gone. We no longer had a way to preserve the food that we hoped to feed us in the near future. If Jesus, what he talks about in this metaphor about salt, says that salt is going to lose its saltiness, it's no longer use. Just throw it away. Can't use it. See, for us, we just lost a few weeks' worth of groceries. But Jesus is talking about losing some of his word. See, the salt they used back then was from the Dead Sea. had impurities in it. It often caused it to do just what Jesus is talking about here, lose its flavor. See, salt preserves by being in contact with every inch of what will be corrupted or spoiled without it. And in order to have an effect in our world, 
We have to be in contact with it. We have to be active in it. We need to do life and live with an authentic, God-honoring faith. The one that's making a difference so that we can help others see the difference. See, in fact, we have a command to hold tight to the truth of God's word in our life. Not letting the world corrupt it and fall into what others think is right. See, our goal is to be the standard of truth and point others towards it. And we can only do that by living a life that honors God's word in everything we do. With salt, you've probably experienced this before where, you know, maybe it's bland because there's not enough salt poured on it. Or maybe it's overwhelming because you click on this and you, you go to the thing and you're like, okay, I'm going to pour it. And you think you have it in the right salt. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, whoa, that's way too much salt, right? It could be overwhelming like that. See, my family, we like watching this show, like baking shows, cooking shows with the judges. You know, it's just fun to see these things that people can create with crazy ingredients. We watch ones with kids baking and they name stuff and 100% of it, we don't even know what it is. We're like, okay, go ahead, do it because I'm not going to do it and you're only eight. But we love watching it and seeing them, their dishes come to life. And the thing about it is you'll notice these judges that are talking to these contestants, oftentimes the things that stick out most are the ones to them that either don't have enough salt, spice, ingredient to it, or have too much. And you see their faces afterwards, you know, and they're like, and they go just hammer them really hard because they either didn't put enough of something on there or too much of it. We too can be the same way with our interactions with those around us. See, Colossians 4, 6 tells us, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul here is saying that you have to have a, a good mixture of both grace and truth in the way that we interact with those around us. Does that mean that we get on social media so that we can try to win arguments when issues arise? I don't think it does. I know what it does mean. It means leaning into the relationships of those around us and using our words wisely as we talk through the truth of God, the one that he has given us through his word. See, salt isn't over, overly obvious when seasoned correctly. In baking, the salt that you use can be used to enhance and bring out sweet flavors in the recipe. Our lives don't have to bring these huge crowds, demand our attention, or be pushy. Instead, we need to set the example in our behaviors, in our speech, in the way we care for those around us. Tristan, he sat up here and he talked about how his life would have looked totally different had someone not come alongside him, believed in him, pointed him towards the truth of God's word, but then also lived that life out and did it right beside him. So if we're called to preserve the truth and keep God's word at the forefront of our lives, how are we doing that daily? We are to stand for the truth and what we believe in. It's only the truth of God in our lives that can make an impact in those around us through living the life that Jesus called us to. See, Christians, 
can influence society from falling apart. But that can only happen if we do it the right way. We need to change the lives through a relationship with Jesus. Because we know that he is the truth. He is the life. He's the only way that anything can happen. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are we doing that? How are we living our calling to be that salt and transform everything around us? But that's not the only thing that we are called to. Jesus continues, and he calls us to guide towards the truth. Matthew uh, continues on with this talk, and he says this in 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, light is a very powerful thing. When it's gone, you take note. In the beginning, we had an activity where you were shining the light. It was really dark in here. But some of those answers, we saw a lot of light. Now, in the first service, there wasn't as much light when it came to that shower question. That's all I'm saying. I think they were up too early, but still, we had a little bit of fun there, but realized darkness can really make a difference if there's not much light, right? When we moved here last year, one of the things that was told to me was, we just don't get enough sunny days around here. Pittsburgh has taken notice how little the sun comes out. It's definitely gone missing. Now, this week, it's going to be beautiful, and I think that's because Bill is gone. We're going to have sun all day. It's going to be awesome, right? No. But did you know that the sun has extremely important influences on our planet? Drives the weather. Ocean currents. Seasons. Climate. Makes plant life possible through photosynthesis. Without the sun's heat and light, life on Earth couldn't exist. Earth sits in what is called the habitable zone, or Goldilocks zone, as they like to call it. See, if the Earth or the sun were to move a few units one way or the other, away from that zone, that light, that heat that we need to live would either be gone or be too much. Genesis 1 starts out with the importance of light. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, everybody remember? Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So why did God create light right after forming the heavens and the earth? Why was it so important to do it right at the beginning? Because there was a need to separate the darkness and bring about life. The light in our world, going back to darkness, that would be devastating. How would we just survive? What would it look like? You can see it from a physical standpoint and realize how much of an impact that it would be. There's actually scientists that study this all the time. But Jesus, in Matthew 5, in the greatest sermon ever, challenges us, all who are followers, that we are the light. 
So we think about this from a spiritual standpoint. If we are what shines and looks different in this world, and we decide we're not going to be as bright, we're not going to live the truth and guide people towards the light, it's going to have that same devastation as the earth moving away from that Goldilocks zone. See, we are the ambassadors of God's word, living this out daily. So what does that mean for you? Maybe if we go back to what Tristan was saying, maybe it's like that, where in his world, he had, someone had an opportunity to change his life. And maybe you have the opportunity to change the life of one person by investing in them because they might not have any other opportunity to survive or thrive without your light. Does living a life of being the light of the world mean that you have to tell everyone that they're wrong and you're right? No, not at all. See, too often we think we need, again, this big stage and to let everyone know how things could be different. If they live the way that they should, but then we don't live that way ourselves. Really what we see Jesus imploring us to do here is to live the life we're called to. We're the light in our everyday lives, in our routines, in our communities, in the circles of those around us. So what does that look like? John 3.30 gives us a great way to see it. He must become greater. I must become less. Again, whose light are we reflecting to others around us? Is it our light or is it God's light? Are we trying to change everyone to be more like us or more like the one that we are following? Paul, he gives us some insight into what it would look like when he says this in 1 Corinthians. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So does your light reflect that of Jesus wherever you are? Do people see you and ask, man, why are you different? Why are you this way? Why don't you react the way that I like to react when something happens? Or why don't you do this? Why are you spending your time investing in others on the weekend and not going out and enjoying your life the way the rest of the world seems to? Why are you radiating? See, do others see the things that you do as a way to give God glory and honor? Are we acting like the brightest light in the world around us? So Jesus, he also teaches it and describes it as a city on a hill. You know, the community of impact is like that. One that shows the world around it who truly is the king of our lives. Are we doing that? Are we investing in those around us and teaching the truths that have penetrated our lives? The early Christians... You know what they were known for? They stood out. And the reason they did was because how they treated others and they pointed everyone towards the love and sacrifice of Jesus. Who took care of the orphans, the widows, the sick, the lame? The early Christians did. See, orphanages, hospitals, food distribution to hungry, they can all tie their roots to Christianity. How did that happen? The early Christians found the ones who needed light, the city on the hill, and they gave it to everyone, no matter where they were. 
Did they demand that the Romans came in, that Roman government, and provide it and pay for it? Not at all. They stepped in the gap, using their own resources to shine for the glory of God. Acts 5, 42 shows us what the lives of the early Christians looked like. It said this. See, they chose to be light no matter what happened. Day after day, in the temple courts, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Everything they did gave God the glory and allowed them to shine for him always. So when Jesus uses this metaphor of light in the world, he's telling us our job is vital. It's vital to the kingdom. Jesus' followers are to glorify God with their lives. They have become a witness to the power of God to those around them. How they react, how they interact, how they love everyone. That salt, that light metaphor that Jesus used today has to be used together, not separately. They work hand in hand. You can't have the perfect amount of preserving the truth of God's word and then not guide people towards his light, right? And you can't live a life that is guiding towards the light and then let God's truth become a thing of the past, something that has minimal meaning in your life. The world that we live in will continually push towards selfishness, towards its own desires. And God, through his word, is pointing us towards a greater life one that gives him the honor, one that gives him glory, the glory that he deserves. At the end of June, I had an opportunity to take Tristan and another leader out to a conference in Bowling Green, Ohio. We went to this thing called Christ and Youth Move. And Move is always a great week where it challenges us as we grow and strive to do more for the kingdom. And one of the speakers, he brought out, four chairs like these guys are bringing out for me today. And he said to really think about which chair we're in. And as we close today, I want to do the same with you. Which of these four chairs are you sitting in? Let me explain this to you. See, each chair has a position in our walk with Jesus. How are we the salt and the light? Chair one over here, closest to the light. It's one that's living out the salt and the light every day. Our lives are all about Jesus. and We live for him always. The question that comes with this chair right here in chair one is this. What Matthew 5 says, do people see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven? Does your life beg this question? Why am, why am I different? Why do I hold to the truth so near and dear to my life? That's chair one. Chair two. This is someone that claims, again, to be salt and light, but it's not visible. Someone that knows the truth, but that salt has lost its saltiness. They know about the light. They've brought it into their life, but now it's hidden. And they're happy and content with where they are. This is described as someone maybe in a recliner, lounging back, right? Living a comfortable life. But there's nothing in their life that needs to be explained. No one is asking, how is the person in the chair too different? Because 
They're just going through the motions without preserving or guiding others towards the light. Chair three over here that knows about the salt and the life and the light, but they've not made a decision yet. They know what it means, but they're very similar to chair two in how they live. There's no difference because they don't have God's light yet in their life. They're just kind of watching and waiting. Chair four, that last one, that person doesn't know much about Jesus at all and the light that he brings. This is someone that's observing everybody in the chairs around them. And they're asking questions. Saying, why are these two chairs not much different? And How do I get to be like that? What is that all about? See, everyone in here today, if you're online or in person, you're in one of these chairs. So where do you put yourself? If you're in chair four, are you asking questions to understand what it means to take that next step? How can you move towards the light, towards chair one, right? Maybe you're in chair three and you understand who Jesus is, but you haven't taken that step yet to put him in your life. What's holding you back? Today is a great day to make that happen. Come, talk to somebody. Either Go to the back in the Engage Impact booth if you're here in person with us. Or if you're online, talk to somebody in the chat right now. Let them know, hey, I need to take that step. I've been in chair three way too long. Don't wait. Are you in chair two? Do you need to take a step in your life to be the salt and the light of your world? Maybe you don't know how. And you've been comfortable for so long, you don't understand what that is. Well, I can tell you an easy way to do that is join a growth group. Come join one of our ministry teams and start pouring into the lives of others. Live in a community to be more like that city on a hill, not in isolation, but in community, growing and preserving as well as guiding together. Are you in chair one? And are you constantly looking for ways to pour and invest into others, invest into the kingdom? Are you using your salts and your light in a way that is truly always pointing towards the king? Whatever your step is, take it. Don't wait. Do it today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now just thanking you for opportunities like this where we get to dive into your word, dive into what you have said through the greatest sermon of all, Sermon on the Mount, Lord. We thank you for opportunities to see what it means in the lives of those around us. We thank you for Tristan and his willingness to pour into us and let us know how you've made a difference in the people that are pouring into him, but also by your word living it out, Lord. We pray right now as we've come here and we've thought about where we're at, that we can truly be the salt in every situation we're in, Lord, that we're pointing people towards your truth, that we are the light, that we're guiding people towards you and giving you the glory. It's only through you and the sacrifice that you gave by giving your son that we can truly see a difference in the world around us. Lord, help us to be your ambassadors everywhere we are, Lord. We thank you so much for your son. It's in his name we pray, amen.